these companies. It's really these kind of exports are only uh, against Chinese companies. But the foreign companies that are producing in China, uh, they're not being affected. And 70% of Chinese exports uh, are from foreign-owned companies. And Chinese exports are rising and is the only bright spot in the Chinese economy. So I think the short-term impact is not so big. It's really about slowing down Chinese companies. Okay, Andy. Well, thank you for your thoughts there. That's um, Andy Sher, who is an independence-based economist up in Shanghai. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. In Australia, the SX200 is off 1.6%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan down 1.5%. The Cosby in South Korea off over 1%. And looks like the Hang Seng is going to lose about uh, 220 points at the open, starting the day at 16,370. That's close to a 13-year low. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock with more analysis of the business and financial world on Money Talk. Coming up after the news, Back chats with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse. The weather forecast, mainly cloudy, one or two showers. Maximum temperature is about 29 degrees. And the outlook is for it to be windy with showers in the next couple of days. There is the standby signal number one is in force. The red fire danger warning also in force. 27 degrees right now, 46% relative humidity. Times 8.31. Here's Ben Che with the half-hour news. The observatory says it'll issue the strong wind signal number three between 10 a.m. and noon as tropical cyclone Nisat has intensified over the past few hours. It said according to its present track, the storm will be closest to Hong Kong during the day. The observatory said winds are also expected to strengthen during the day under the effects of Nisat and the northeast monsoon. The standby signal number one is currently in force. The German couple behind the successful Pfizer-BioNTech COVID jabs say cancer vaccines could be available to patients by the end of the decade. Professors Yugor Sahin and Uzlem Turji say the use of mRNA technology during the coronavirus pandemic helped to accelerate their work. The COVID-19 vaccine and our experience in developing it gives back to our cancer work. We have learned how to better, faster manufacture vaccines. We have learned about how the immune system reacts towards mRNA. BioNTech's cancer trials started long before the pandemic and have shown some early encouraging signs. But the scientists were hesitant to say the vaccines would definitely be a cure for cancer. Health authorities say Hong Kong added 5,564 new COVID cases yesterday, of which 385 involved arrivals from outside the SAR. Five more people infected with the coronavirus have died. Meanwhile, Cathay Pacific said flight crew will be given an option that spares them from being restricted by an amber code on their vaccine pass. Ada Al reports. In an internal memo, the airline said their cabin and cockpit crew members can opt to wait for their PCR test results at the airport. If they test negative, they will receive a blue vaccine passcode. However, crew members who receive the blue code are required to conduct daily PCR tests for four days. People arriving in Hong Kong are currently allowed to leave the airport right after having their saliva samples taken for PCR tests, but they will receive an amber code that bans them from entering some venues, such as restaurants, for three days. 
The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter today is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. And good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about the return of live music to bars and clubs after more than two years, with performances allowed to resume from this Thursday. The musicians will have to take regular COVID tests, including presenting a negative uh, rapid test result at the venue on the day of the performance. They must uh, keep uh, masks on uh, where possible and maintain a distance from the audience. Bar operators have welcomed the move, with some predicting as much as a 30% boost in business ahead of the Halloween and World Cup peak seasons. There are warnings, though, that it may take some time to get bands back together and the testing requirements may prove a disincentive. After 9.15, we'll look into a study on the quality of life among South Asian older adults in Hong Kong. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And uh, joining us now on the line, we have uh, Chris B, founder of the Musicians Foundation and the Underground Hong Kong. And James Robertson, the owner of uh, a restaurant chain which includes uh, Grappers and Cadillac. And Lito Castillo, chairman of the Hong Kong Musicians Union. Um, good morning to you all. Perhaps, uh, uh, Chris B, we can go to you first. Hello. Uh, good morning. Thank Hi. Yeah, Hello, everyone. Hello there. Thanks for joining us again. So, uh, what is the feeling now, uh, um, you know, within the local band scene in Hong Kong? Um, well, of course, there's some excitement um, that, you know, maybe this is, <laughs> this is going to be doable. Um, and we're kind of waiting for the government gazette to have the official thing because there must be so many changes. And, I mean, all these testing, you know, it's going to be different for everyone, right? Catering premises, hotels, bars. It's, um, I'm just like, it's very confusing as well. So we're going to have to see. Because I see, I see now from the, the previous one, um, if it was a place of entertainment, they only needed to do one PCR test seven days before their first performance and then subsequently every two weeks, right? And in fact, a staff of a catering premises only has to do a rat test. Mm. So, you know, it's like, well, if musicians end up having to do loads of tests um, and having to pay for them, I don't, you know, for the, you know, for an industry that's been struggling with, you know, borrowing money and surviving, it seems like it's, it's going to be very hard for them to get back into work if they have to pay all these things beforehand. Because, um, you know, the venues themselves have been struggling, so it's going to be a case of who's going to pay for this as well with regard to testing, yeah, I think. PCR, but we don't actually know yeah, what's I mean, going to be in the Gazette. It, it looks as though PCR tests will be required. They cost uh, $150 each to government centres, don't they? So is that going to put a lot of people off, do you think? Yeah, it's, mm. it's the money and the time, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and, and why, why, why is that required mm. for the performers who are separated anyway from the audience, mm. but not for the waiters, you know, the waiting staff or mm. the chefs making the meal, mm. who, <laughs> yeah. who have direct contact with far more people yeah. than a band on a stage? Do you think it's going to be different 
I understand that a bit better. Venue to venue. Hmm. So it, it's what? not just live music. Live music can be treated differently in different venues? Uh, well, it's not just live music, right? It's live performance, live comedy, uh, live anything, right? Right. Um, I don't understand your question, Mike. Sorry. Well, it's just if it's in a hotel and it's one, yeah. and if it's in a bar, it's different. If it's yeah, in a club, yeah, it's different. different. But, yep, they they do do different because they have different seatings, they have different sections. If they 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 do the rules based on the type of premises. Right. So yeah. How are the singers so, going to manage with their masks? Uh, well, it does. I mean, hopefully it does say if if wearing a mask where possible is good. But I, I tell you from last year, because last year they had to wear masks during that, that few months we had live music permitted. And it's it's muffled, it's garbled. You can't you can't actually hear the beautiful notes from the singer. I, I thought <laughs> the wind like, instrument people would have, have a bit of a problem too, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, although I hear, I heard from a fellow musician that... Um, in Tom Lee, they sell these very expensive masks with holes in them, specifically for, like, saxophonists and, <laughs> um, um, yeah. Trombonists. Like, like, something like $120 each, which is very expensive. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. OK, well, let's uh, bring in uh, James Robertson. Good morning, JR. Good morning, guys. Good morning. So, uh, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about this? Uh, how much of a difference is the return of live music going to make? and uh, certainly the musicians are dying to get back uh, performing and, and earning some income. Uh, I just think it's another example, however, that the government just can't can't make simple rules. I mean, as the lady, the lady was just speaking, yeah, I mean, the restaurant staff, they all have to wear masks. They all have two rat one rat test every three days. And uh, as an employer, an operator, that's good. I'm, we're happy to see that the the test results so that if somebody gets it, we send them home and try not to contaminate the rest of the staff. That's the staff. And then, then we got the customers. Now the customers, they have a different deal. They, they come to the restaurant, they're wearing a mask when they come in, they have to show their vaccine, their leave home vaccine proof record, whatever you want to call that. They sit down and they can sit at the table up to 12 people all together. They take their masks off. Uh, and they sit and they can eat and drink and watch the musicians. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about my place, Grappa's Cellar, and um, we don't have a dance license, so there's no dancing, but um, we do have an entertainment license. So now you got 12 people together, and now the, the, the evening is over. We have to leave before 12 midnight in the bar. They can stay till 2 a.m. In the hotel, I guess it's 2 a.m. I have no idea, but uh, for the bars, it's 2 a.m. For us, it's midnight. Those 12 customers who were sitting together, they now have to leave and depart four by four because when they go outside in the fresh air, they can only have four together and not 12 together. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that's for because it should be uh, better in the fresh air than it is indoors with the circulating air. Now let's talk about the musicians. They got two PCR tests at about $150 a week. Now, what I don't understand is, what if they, um, if, if they only doing a Saturday night gig every two weeks, do they have to take the test every every 
every week, or they only have to take mm-hmm. it the week they perform, and then have the, and that costs them 150 bucks. They have a rap test on top. Supposed to wear their masks while they play. I, I didn't know about Tom Lee having some uh, some cool masks to, just to meet the requirement, but still has the hole for the sax player and the trombone player. But uh, that's just insane. And then there's this statement that they say, um, just as much distance as possible from the audience. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that one and a half meters, like the tables in the restaurants, or is that... Uh, four meters, uh, there's got to be a little more definitive than that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Because some of these, and, uh, some, some of these venues are quite intimate, aren't they? There's not, you know, there's not a huge amount of space in there, so you think that might cause a problem for, you know, if the, if the singer's got to stay away from the audience? Well, I think so. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the singers, you know, the performers, they want to, they want to get close to the audience. They want to mm-hmm. not exactly go out in the middle of the floor, although some do. I was going to say, that was going to be my question. Don't people move around when they're performing? Yes, they do, Mike. <laughs> of course they do. Yeah. And, and, and the, the front man, of course, he faces the band for a while, then he turns around and he likes to lean down over the audience. And you know, I mean, the, the, the restriction is absurd. As I say, you got three different sets of all these requirements for the staff, the customers, and the performers. Why can't they just make it simple? I mean, we, we had your last... Uh, Six months ago, we had A, B, C, D licenses. They always make it confusing. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, Alito Castillo is also with us. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Ch- chairman of the Hong Kong Musicians Union. Uh, uh, I was reading that a, a lot of musicians uh, in town, obviously, are, are from the Philippines, and many of those uh, have left uh, uh, in recent months. Um, is that going to cause a problem? I mean, you know, will 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 the bands be able to uh, reform quickly, or how's it going to work? Well, uh, those uh, the bands here in Hong Kong are still uh, sufficient. You know, I mean, those who left. Uh, are just uh, not, you know, they're very tired of waiting on when the uh, mm. uh, live band are going to perform. Uh, they just don't know. It's very unsure for them how, when are they going to work. Uh, but, you know, we still have enough musicians in Hong Kong at the moment. Uh, not only, of course, Filipino musicians, we got other uh, musicians of other nationalities. Mm. And how hard has it been? The past, uh, you know, this past period when they, they haven't been able to perform. It's it's really very hard for two and a half years for some of our musicians have not been working and they have to uh, uh, do some other jobs, some other industries. Um, some of them, but but again, you know, these are musicians. Even if they're working in another industry, they are still rehearsing themselves, and it, in an instant, if you want them to play. They will be playing again, performing as as a, as a professional. You know. Right. Are there any restrictions in um, other cities around around Asia? What's it like in uh, Bangkok or Singapore? Oh, Bangkok has had live music for for months. We I know a number of Hong Kong musicians that have moved from Hong Kong to Bangkok and have been performing there because. Right, especially yeah. some of the older ones because they couldn't, like Lito said, you know, change industry to become a food delivery or work on a construction site, maybe if you're under 60, right? But some of these musicians have been playing for years, they're in their 60s, so Bangkok was a popular place to move to. Um, 
Yeah, and some people have gone to other places, like looking for work on cruise ships in Europe, etc. Right. How about, was Macau in the same boat as us? Oh, Macau's even worse than us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> changes would you, the three of you, one by one maybe, what sort of changes would you like to see in the next phase? Well, that's for the musicians. Uh, we just want our normal lives back. You know, uh, performing. Uh, of course, we are, we, are, uh, we are following all the government's rules regarding performing. Uh, but, you know, if, if we can just have uh, leave that PCR test because we are very unsure on how we're going to do that and who's paying for it and uh, musicians have that been working for two and a half years and then we still have to pay for a PCR test to perform. It's just very difficult for us. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a couple of comments here on our, our Facebook page. Uh, Richard yeah. writes, uh, are there any musicians left in Hong Kong? Well, uh, we, we were just hearing from uh, Lito Castillo that, uh, well, yes, there are actually. Uh, there, there are still yeah. uh, plenty of musicians left. And Marcus says, what's the point if they have to keep masks on? Um, uh, JR, you mentioned uh, Grappa's Cellar earlier. I know you have a number of outlets. Um, is th that would be your main place for live music, Grappa's Cellar? Well, we have a purpose-built uh, performer stage and uh, sound system and lighting for exactly that. So, yes, that would be the, the first venue. We, we've already got three, three uh, Saturday nights in December lined up. Uh, I spoke with Eugene Powell a few days ago, and we'll try to get him in sometime in November. Uh, but, you know, a lot of these guys, as you say, uh, they need to rehearse and practice and, and get their... <laughs> get their sets back together before they can go out and perform. So it won't happen overnight. But but uh, I think it's, it's, it's going to come. It'll, it'll get better. But uh, what? No masks. I spent uh, two and a half months in uh, Europe this summer. I never wore a mask. Nobody was wearing masks. Well, almost nobody. And uh, the, the mask, the, we've got four or 5,000 cases every day, and these people are all wearing their masks. I mean, when is somebody going to wake up and say, masks don't work? And so... Why, why force a musician to stand on the stage with a mask on? I mean, that's just absurd. So, yes, let's uh, relax some of these restrictions and get back to real life. So you, you are able now to put together a program of music, of uh, live performances for what, the next few months? Yeah. Well, as I say, we've got three acts lined yeah. up, including New Year's Eve. Mm. Uh, of course, we have kind of lined them up on the standby, hoping that this would be lifted by New Year's Eve. So this is good news, and those guys are ready. But as I say, for November, I mean, here we are, middle of the second half of October, it'll be a little difficult to get a, some acts together and on the stage in the next two or three weeks. It'll take a month or so, I think, just because we were caught a little bit by surprise, and I think 
musicians as well. As I say, they need to rehearse before they right. go up there and, and would, fall would, flat. Would it be fair to say that this is a step forward, but you need more? I think that's a, a good way to put it, Mike. I mean, it's a big step forward. At least we broke the ice, and, and we can now see light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And, yeah, we just need to keep going forward and, and hope the government plays along and, and, and progressively goes. What's a, give, a, give me some a couple of improvements that you would like to see soon. Well, well, first of all, I think that the PCR test is crazy. Nobody else is having a PCR test, so just have them do a rat test on the day of the performance. That's fine. I think there's no problem with that. Masks on the stage? No, come on. That's just that's absurd. You've got customers who are listening to the music sitting five meters away, and they're sitting and eating and drinking and watching the performance, and they don't have masks on. I mean, it's just ludicrous that we have to have the mask on the performer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, that was two. Another, yeah. An, an, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's, let's let's put that to uh, uh, Chris B and Lito Castillo as well. What uh, what changes? What improvements would you like to see? Well, I, I, I agree with. Like, sorry. So, yeah, I agree with Chris JR. I'm oh, sorry, Lito. You go first. All right. Yeah, yeah. It's just the same thing. I mean, I, we just don't want to do. I mean, not don't want, but if they can just uh, you know take off that uh, restrictions and uh, uh, that. PCR test that we have to do. Right? It's just very difficult for us to do that and expensive as well. Uh, but let me tell you this, the, the musicians have been rehearsing even before this announcement. They are, they are all very optimistic of the coming few months. That are, so they were all rehearsing and, and being ready for December. As a matter of fact, I got a lot of our calls yesterday uh, regarding New Year's Eve, uh, parties for December and, and etc. So, you know, they are all very ready. The musicians are ready. It's just that uh, they are very unsure of what sort of, uh, uh, you know, PCR test, rat test, these things that, that they have to do. Yeah. So if we can just, yes. you know, make it more easier for them to perform. I, and make it, make it clearer for the venues as exactly. well. Exactly, yeah. Make it clearer. Yeah, because the venues are confused too. So, and and I and yeah and I I think there's also lots of bands. Although I think there are less musicians here, we've also had a few live venues closed, right? Completely, like right. Fresco and the one on Discovery Bay, which name escapes me at the moment. Um, Hemingways. And Hemingways, that's Hemingways. it. Yeah. And I've noticed um, because some people have left, there are the same pool. It's the same bands. Right. So we do need Hong Kong to open up, really open up at some point so that we can get entertainment that that has, you know, more variety. But well, we have great bands here in Hong Kong. Yeah, it's just, it's cause, because of all these requirements, there are, um, how should I phrase this? There are some people who um, can't play in any venues because of medical conditions, I think. <laughs> like, yeah, let's leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, let me let let me add this that uh, some of the musicians are working in another industry. Uh, they are unsure whether they should leave the the industry uh, where they're working right now and and go back to being musician because they they are not sure whether this uh, I mean this the restrictions that are lifted will last or will it yes. be until December only. So yes, what if, you're right. What if, uh, yeah. What if the government says, okay, by January we have a new strain and there's no music again, and they have left all their 
The, the present government has said that uh, all of the uh, lifting of restrictions that it undertakes it wants to do in a way that it won't have to go back on them, which is why it's sort of uh, taking a fairly cautious step-by-step uh, -step approach. Uh, I mean, doesn't, doesn't that sort of give you any confidence? Uh, that, uh, being cautious is the right word, even for musicians. I mean, for those people who are working in the industry, they are also being cautious. So... Uh, it's really very unsure. <laughs> <laughs> that, that adds to the you know yeah. to the stress for these people. Yeah. How, how many I, I how many local musicians are actually? I mean, how many are actually full time? I mean, aren't sort of like most of them uh, working part time and, uh, and doing other jobs anyway? How how does it work? Well, with the length of the COVID. Yeah. Well, the, before COVID and now. With the land of they have been, been working on musicians as musicians, they, some of them are doing full-time work already in the F&B industry. Mm. I got a lot of colleagues who are in the F&B industry and they're all doing full-time. And uh, they were asking me whether should we quit or should we uh, you know, go back to being musicians? I said, I, you hold on with your jobs because I, we really don't know what the government will say afterwards. Right. So. JR, I've got to ask you something because it's been puzzling me for months. If if a hundred people turn up in a restaurant individually or in pairs or small groups, as they're coming in as individuals, um, that's one thing. They just they just turn up and they get checked at the door. But if yes. it's a if it's a party, if it's a sort of birthday party or a wedding event or something, everyone has to have an, a negative RAT. What? Well, I don't know about the negative RAT, but they have to have the, uh, the Leave Home Vaccine app. And, of course, now we can do 12 to a table. Now, for a, a wedding party or something, I, I can't remember. I think they changed the numbers. I, I think it's bigger than 12. But, um, yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. Uh, you got uh, 50 tables of twos, and now you got a party of 20 to come in. Well, they're gonna, they have to break up into a, a 12 and an 8 or two ten, two ten tops. But uh, I mean, there seems, seems to be seems to be something if you're going for, for a collective purpose. Yeah. I think if, if it's a banquet, well, a banquet, they call it a banquet. I, I agree with what you're implying. Is that if you got ten couples that come in, so that's twenty people, and now you've got a group of twenty that come in, and they're keeping some social distancing. Why can't? What is the difference? Why do they have to break up if they uh, is sitting twelve at a table or ten at a table or two at a table? Is, 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 I don't get it. I guess they think that there's going to be a multiplier effect of uh, contagion uh, of the virus, but it's the same number of people in the same restaurant. I mean, that's crazy. Okay, I'm um, confusing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, Chris B, did you want to add to what um, uh, Lito Castillo was saying earlier? I mean, what? What? Uh, Go ahead. Yeah. What, what do you want to see? What do you want to see happen now to make just to make life easier for everybody involved in the business? It's it's 
Yeah, I mean, I guess there's nothing is a hundred percent guarantee, and it is like Lito says, like it will win. We've had so many pockets of like, oh, you can play, everything's okay again. Oh, it's not okay again. It's um, it's it makes people wary, right? It makes people unsure about how to proceed in life in Hong Kong. Yeah. So it's uh, as, you know, I also do events. It's like. When when will we be able to have somebody international come? <laughs> you know, yeah. when will we when will we really be back? Yeah, yeah. That, that's what like, yeah, that, that, yeah that's what I was going to ask you as well. I mean, wh- wh- when do you think we'll be able to see you know events like you know Clock and Flap, for instance, uh, returning? What do you think? Well, it'd probably be next year. I mean, they did they did say they were going to allow food and drink, right, at <laughs> outdoor venues because. They, yeah, it's all it's all really odd, right? You can have a concert, but you can't eat and drink. You can eat and drink, but you can't have live entertainment outdoors. So, you know, most, pe- most people I know do enjoy a bit of food and drink if they're going to stand for a few hours to watch music, right? <laughs> it's like, so I think next year, if, if as, you, as you mentioned, that the current government is really just being very cautious and moving slowly, that's fine if we, if we don't go backwards. Mm-hmm. in any shape or form because okay. that's that's the worry okay. yeah okay. i mean uh, some musicians are like oh no this is it i can go back to work this is great yeah um it's uh, and then and then oh i think someone mentioned earlier what, what was the effects like we um the charity has been organizing some like mental health awareness oh yeah okay um, sorry sorry i'm gonna have to stop you there that's uh, let's oh, let's okay. let's go back to that at three minutes past nine because we've got to take a break okay. for the news we will be back uh, in three minutes time and we'll pick up on that point uh, quick look at the weather it's going to be mainly cloudy one or two showers today currently it's uh, 27 degrees humidity 46 percent the standby signal number one is in effect as is the red fire danger warning i think the game is up um, and it's now a question as to how the succession is managed. If there is a, such a weight of opinion in the parliamentary party that uh, we have to have a change, then it will be affected. Exactly how it's done and exactly under, under what mechanism, but it will happen. You're listening to the news on RTHK. And welcome back to Back Chat with Mike Rouse and me, Jim Gould. And this morning, for our main subject, we're talking about the return of live music uh, to bars and clubs, uh, with performances uh, set to resume from this Thursday. Uh, we have with us uh, Chris B, founder of the, the Musicians Foundation and the Underground Hong Kong, uh, James Robertson, the owner of a restaurant chain, which includes uh, Grappers and Cadillac. And uh, before nine o'clock, we heard from uh, uh, Lito Castillo, chairman of the Hong Kong Musicians Union. Uh, Chris B, uh, just before the news, uh, you were talking about uh, the effect that uh, the absence of live music, the inability to perform, has had on uh, musicians yes. and their mental health. Yes, yes. Because, I mean, I got, in the past two years, I got a lot of people, you know, getting in touch and, I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit empathetic, so they'll share their story, and which actually ended up being why we made, created a charity to kind of give support to the community. And um, so in the last few months, we've been doing, at the launch actually, like these uh, live, lifeline mental health live fests, just where we could have people who were really devastated by these restrictions 
right, um, this year, um, share their stories and then like having a mental health practitioner giving some tips and stuff because I think a lot of them felt alienated. Like it, it was it was very bizarre this year. Like they were completely forgotten for, for 10 months, right? Like, not, you know, until until last week was that actually the first time they were even mentioned, right? Oh, we're going to have live music back. Like none of us thought quarantine would be lifted or <laughs> live music would be permitted. That was bizarre, right? And, you know, they haven't done anything wrong this year. So they were not able to work for unknown reasons, right, for months. So it, that the pressure of that can build up a lot. People can feel, you know, like, you know, what is the purpose of life? Some people actually get suicidal, right? Mm. So we thought, well, let's, let's try and let people know we can hear them, we're with them. We don't know why this is going on, but, you know, let's, let's you know, just give support to each other because that's what people do, right? So I think, you know, now hearing that this week that they can perform is good, but as we said, they're still down. There's still fear, um, and you know we hope. Hopefully, people when they come and see the bands go, oh, this is great, this is good. You know, like to give positive feedback and how much. I think when people, the audience themselves, go and see the music and bands, will go, oh God, this is so nice. I hadn't realised I'd missed it so much. Right. <laughs> I think that's it, a very important yeah. point that we've 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 stumbled over here in a way because. Obviously, from your point of view, the focus is the musicians, but live mm -hmm. music is a part of life. It's, we've, we've become, we used to be <laughs> used to it, so to speak, yeah. whether you wanted it or not, and then it was everywhere. Um, mm. And that option's been removed from ordinary people's lives. They're not yeah. themselves musicians. It's part of the mosaic that's just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it has, and actually that has, besides the musicians, that would have had a knock-on effect on some of the audience who just simply, you know, not everyone can afford or want to pay to go and sit in a coliseum to watch <laughs> some live music. Some people just want to unwind after a really hard week at work or, or take their kids to watch something fun. Do, do you know what I mean? It's, mm. it's Music is really crucial to humans. Right, and where, where are all the... Emerging boy bands among students <laughs> in school. You know, uh, well, what have they been doing? They have they been able to just get together and twang their guitars? I, I guess not. <laughs> not publicly, not not, mm. not legally. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, uh, email here from a uh, listener. Anthony says, uh, "Dear Backchat, my wife and I gave a party for over a hundred people with live music in uh, Khao Yai, Thailand, on Saturday evening with zero restrictions. Hong Kong government obsession with COVID is uh, ridiculous." Uh, that's from Anthony. Uh, if you want to get in touch, uh, the address is. Uh, our email address is backchat on RTHK. Sorry, Facebook is backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email address backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, you can call us on 23388 Um uh, JR, uh, another point. This is not necessarily to do with uh, live music, but uh, much has been made of the fact that uh, there's still a 2 a.m. closing time for bars. Um, we've got uh, Halloween coming up, we've got the World Cup. Soccer World Cup coming up starting next month. Um, uh, how do you feel about that? Is that going to be a big sort of a impediment to the business, having to close at two? Well, yeah, we, uh, 
most of our venues now, we, we found after they, they lifted the restriction and we had a, some bars, I had some bars and some restaurants, uh, people have already adjusted their way of life. I mean, once uh, uh, from 12 to 2, we're just not doing much business. Uh, one of our bars, we had to close in TST. The streets are empty. Um, so uh, that's where Terrace, I understand, is a little bit better. But down on Hart Avenue, it's just it's completely Deadsville. Yeah, and then uh, the World Cup, yeah, I don't think that's going to go over very well because most of the matches are past, uh, not until the good matches aren't until about 3 a.m. in the morning. Mm. So and the, the TV guys want something like 40, the early bird special was 48,000 to show in one outlet. And now they're asking 60,000. Uh, I was talking with one of my competitive operators just yesterday and uh, He's not going to, he's never not shown the World Cup, but he's not going to show it. And neither are we. We're just, it's too much money and it's, the scheduling is, is bad for us. Mm. And yeah, Halloween, I mean, Halloween has always been big at uh, Lan Kwai Fung, but the police have become so aggressive that I think Halloween is not so much fun in Lan Kwai Fung anymore. So I'm not sure that there'll be a big impact on, in that respect for Halloween, but certainly the World Cup and, and late night music, I mean, it's really going to get back to, the, the Lan Kwai Fung and the late night clubs and what have you, yeah, 2 a.m. doesn't work. It's not my business, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I can see where it really impacts the musicians and the, the clubs that cooperate late at night, or did. And, and along that line, you say you're going to the Coliseum. At the same time, in, in recent months, we've also had hotels that have had uh, some live music, a piano player and a songbird or something playing along in the, the lobby bar or wherever at the peninsula. Uh, <laughs> that's just so unfair. I mean, how is it you can have that kind of performance one place and other places you can't? But anyway, that's looking in the rearview mirror. Let's look ahead and hope that it, uh, it progressively gets better and we get back to the real life. And uh, I shouldn't call that COVID uh, zero is, is going to be tough to ever achieve. So let's just mm. get on and live with it. Mm. And live performances, yes. Chris B, you were talking about events um, earlier. Um, what other events uh, might we be seeing in the next few months? <laughs> so we got well, it's October. So just I think October Fest is is, is happening. We got the sevens in mm. um, November, and I think um, as Vito said earlier, loads of bands are being tapped for New Year's Eve, so I'm sure a lot of places will do New Year's Eve. And, and hopefully this means, you know, when companies do their annual Christmas party, they'll have entertainment so that, the, you know, <laughs> so that we can reduce the industry. But I think, I think now, due to COVID, it's not like it used to be in the past, you know, where you promoted an event three, six, nine months, even a year in advance. People, people are like, oh, man, let's go do something. If we're going to stay in Hong Kong... Let's go do something fun. I think as long as the promoter is good or the promoting team is good um, and you're aware of something, people will go and experience live music, you know, as a concert, as a, you know, experience event, part of an event. So I think it is exciting that we can do it. And these, these are the cooler months, so you can do events outdoors now and have yeah. S&B, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, um, what do you think about the 2 a.m. closing time? Is that going to make uh, uh, much difference to, you know, the, the musicians who uh, you deal with? I mean, do, do many of them, yeah. many of them used to playing late, I late mean, into the night? Because yeah. that's 2 a.m. in a bar. Like, some, some of the live music venues are actually restaurants. 
So they actually have to shut at midnight. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Which is like, you know, sometimes you have a late dinner, you're watching the band, and then you have to, oh, we have to close now, out you go. Like, <laughs> like yeah, that is well, a bit has, it, has any justification been offered for that difference? No, no, just the, because of the license they hold. In fact, that's the whole thing. It, the government just bases it on the type of premise license, and then they make rules on each premises. Because in 2020, the annex was like two pages long, right? The annex is now like 18 pages. <laughs> like, JR, how is it? Like... <laughs> you, you're, you operate bars, bars and restaurants. 18 pages of detailed instructions? Yeah, not all, not all of them are for a catering establishment, but they, they list them out like hotels, right. pools, gyms, whereas people, people were very confused at first, but now it's just it seems very strict, right? A cinema can do this. Because remember, we had that a few months ago. The restaurant, the customers didn't need to show a rat test, but if the restaurant had a bar area and they sat in the bar area, they had to show a rat test. I don't know if you remember that. That was really confusing, right? But for the venue and for the people coming in. <laughs> you know, I think, I think people who make these rules don't necessarily go to these establishments. Actually, yes, I, yeah, I, think, I think that's very accurate. <coughs> yes, yeah. I get, I get that feeling in, in the sports club. Um, yes, <laughs> uh, where I'm supposed to register my presence in each different unit of the club. <laughs> so I register when I go in, and then ten minutes later, when I go in the gym, I have to leave the club, well, of course, I'm still there, and then enter the gym. <laughs> and then later it applies to the library and it applies to the swimming pool. And then it yes, applies thanks. to the, the, the <laughs> catering venue. Um, I don't understand that. I, re I really don't. I was at the club yeah. for the whole of that, those hours. If someone <laughs> anywhere in the club has tested positive, I'm going to get something on my phone, aren't I? It is. It is confusing. It is, yeah. So a little. A little yeah. Oh. I, I don't know what to suggest. It, it cannot be easy for them either. Yeah. But they need to actually go to these places, like experience what you experienced, Mike, and you know, have a late dinner and see what it's like to like. Oh, out to, you go. Out. Yeah, out. To be thrown <laughs> out. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll have to. Uh, Bring the conversation to a, a close in just a moment, but uh, um, um, Jr. Like you say, you you have uh, restaurants and bars. What what's been your experience in sort of uh, you know, differentiating uh, between the two in terms of uh, the rules and regulations? Well, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, well, to be honest, as I kind of said a moment ago, um, it, it, I think the lifestyles have, have changed. I mean, people. It, no, I don't know what it's going to be like when we have live music. I think that'll be equipping our style when they 11:45 they flick the lights on, everybody out, everybody out. But the, the bars between one o'clock, between midnight and two o'clock uh, a.m., we haven't had much business. We uh, really, we, we're not even staying open till two a.m. because uh, one of our places in uh, TSC maybe three or four hundred dollars in sales for the two hours after midnight. Mm. It's not worth staying open and paying the utilities. 
But uh, so I think it's changed. The whole community has changed. There's just not as much money out there in society. And until we get the tourists and what have you back and spending money, uh, I don't think that'll change. But I do agree for the, like the clubs, these clubs that used to be up in Lang Kwai and Soho and, and, um, and wherever. And, and these guys, yeah, they they get some of them don't even open till 10 o'clock at night, or so so to speak. So yeah, they want to go till four or five in the morning, and I can understand it's different for them. But our bars really not much business after after 12 o'clock. And maybe on a Friday it's a little better, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, nothing. So the the, the rules have in fact changed lifestyle. Yeah, I think the the lifestyle has changed again. I I think because people don't, not everybody has as much money as they used to have, and feel feeling as carefree as they used to. But uh, that will come back when they got more money in the pocket. And I think that uh, when the tourists come and the tourists want to stay up late and and start going to the, clubs and restaurants and live music venues, I think that will all change. But that that relates back to they got to open the border and, and, and zero plus three is not very enticing for people to come to Hong Kong and sit in a hotel for three days or not be able to go to the restaurant for three days. This has all got to open up so that people really start coming back to Hong Kong. I mean, they were talking about 54 million uh, people, passengers fly into Hong Kong, and last year it was less than 100,000. I don't think the airports even are going to be able to cope with a, a return to normality, at least not in the first year or two. So it's mm. still going to be a long, drawn-out process as far as I can see. And uh, 2 a.m. doesn't work for me, but uh, I don't like the idea when we get the live music back at the Grappa Cellar that we have to throw them out at 11.45. I don't like that idea. Okay. okay, well, let, let's see what is announced uh, this week in the policy address. Uh, we'll have uh, full coverage uh, of that. Uh, um, more details on that uh, tomorrow morning. But uh, for now, uh, thank you very much to uh, James Robertson, who you just heard, uh, who owns uh, a restaurant chain and bar chain, which includes uh, Grappa's Cellar and uh, Cadillac. And thanks very much to uh, Chris B., founder of the Musicians Foundation and the Underground Hong Kong. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And for the last uh, 10 minutes or so of this morning's uh, programme, we're turning our attention to our second topic, and that is... Uh, a study on the quality of life of uh, older South Asian residents uh, of Hong Kong. The study was done by the Hong Kong Metropolitan University and uh, it revealed that among um, Indian, Nepalese and Pakistani older adults, uh, their, um, their quality of life was well being negatively affected by a language barrier and uh, financial difficulties. Um, for more on this, we're joined uh, on the line by Terence Shum, Assistant Professor of the School of Arts and Social Sciences at the Metropolitan University. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, so, um, interesting study. Uh, uh, this was a qualitative study, and the... the the sample was relatively small, uh, 58 South Asian older adults uh, that you spoke to, um, but it seems as though uh, the, the the stories that they were uh, telling you about were, were fairly consistent. Um, would you like to just uh, explain a, a little bit more about the main points of your findings? 
Yeah, uh, thank you very much. So, um, actually, this project was funded by the Public Policy Research Funding Scheme of the Hong Kong SCR government. Mm. So, the research team conducted this research, uh, conducted in-depth interview with this 58 research participants during uh, the pandemic period from May 2021 and um, July 2022. So, uh, basically, uh, we tried to explore about their subjective quality of life and the perspective towards their current living condition in Hong Kong. And the main findings of this research project is that, well, the language barrier and financial difficulties are the main obstacles in hindering their quality of life in Hong Kong. Well, the reason why is because uh, most of these South Asian older adults, including the Indian, Pakistani and the Belize, well, they cannot speak uh, English uh, and Cantonese. So whenever they want to see doctors, because uh, many of them are suffering from some serious illnesses like collateral, uh, heart problem, uh, diabetes. They need to see uh, the medical doctors regularly at the public hospital every three or four months. So when they visit the public hospital, well, they find it difficult to communicate with the medical physician because they cannot speak either English or Cantonese. So, um, yeah, yes, the Hong Kong government or Hong Kong Hospital Authority has been doing a good job in providing uh, different uh, interpretation services to the uh, ethnic minorities at the public hospital. But um, during the uh, fifth wave of the pandemic in particular, um, this uh, interpretation services was suspended for uh, quite a long period of time. So many of the research participants expressed to me that, well, well, whenever they go there, well, they find it difficult to communicate with them. So well, what they do is they will go to the public hospital with the children or grandchildren who can speak Cantonese or English in order to communicate with the medical uh, practitioners at the public hospital. So there's one main finding about the language barrier that hinders their quality of life. The second main finding of this research project is about the financial difficulties. Because uh, among these 58 research participants, well, there are 23 of them are receiving uh, different kinds of social welfare support, like a CSSA, uh, working allowances, etc. So um, they are actually um, struggling for survival um, because um, they cannot work. They, many of them have serious uh, uh, health problems. So what would they do is, well, they will just ask for some pocket money from their children. Well, but... Well, as you know, that many of them are coming from the low-income families. So the children actually are also having their own family and suffering from their own financial problems. So it is difficult for them to open their mouths and ask for financial assistance from the children. So that's why well, financial challenges is one of the main obstacles um, I found in this project that hinder the quality of life mm, in right. Hong Kong. Were these, uh, good morning, um, were these people who were, lived here for decades or relatively recent arrivals? So, um, actually, in this uh, research project, we interviewed these uh, 58 uh, research participants. They are the permanent Hong Kong residents. Well, um, the, the longest one who has been staying in Hong Kong for more than 60 years. Right. Yeah. Mm. So basically, this is this is where they live. This is their this is this is their home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, because um, the the selection criteria of this research project is that they must be the permanent Hong Kong residents. So um, I just want to, um, we just want to examine whether they would think Hong Kong, um, they would consider Hong Kong as a home, and whether they would stay here in Hong Kong for um, the, the, the near future. Yeah. Right, because if if they if they just arrived, they'd have something to compare it with. I mean, the place that they left. But if yeah. this is what they know. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, when I asked them, how did they identify themselves? Many of them would just identify themselves as Indian, Pakistani, or the police. Well, <clears throat> uh, just a few of them, because among these 58 research participants, only one was locally born, local born. 
So um, only that participant will identify himself or herself as um, a Hong Kong Indian or Hong Kong Pakistani or Hong Kong Lebanese. So um, when I ask them whether they think that well, Hong Kong is a good place to live, well, then many of them would say, well, comparatively speaking, when they compare the situation or, for example, the medical services in the home country or the transportation facilities or all the government support in the home countries, well, they will say that, well, the Hong Kong government actually are doing a good job for them and Hong Kong is a good place for them to live. Mm. Well, not only because of the services provided by the government, which is better than the government back home, but also because many of them have their own children and grandchildren living and working and staying here in Hong Kong. So uh, when I ask them whether they have this aspiration to return back to the home country, many, all, almost all of them say, well, I prefer to stay in Hong Kong because my children and grandchildren are here. So wherever they go, I will just follow them. Yep. Yeah, interesting. This was a, a study among uh, South Asians. Uh, that's, uh, that's Indian, Nepalese and Pakistani. But, uh, I mean, these can be quite sort of separate, distinct communities. And as, as we know, um, uh, some sectors, particularly of the uh, Indian community, are, 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 are pretty affluent to, to very affluent. Uh, um, but did, did you find any of that in your study at all? Yes, of course. Um, in this study, well, among these 58 research participants, not all of them coming from the low-income families. Mm. So some of them are very well off. Well, they live um, in uh, relatively better living conditions than the others. So uh, comparatively speaking, obviously, the quality of life must be better than those coming from the low-income family. And also, uh, when I asked them about their future in Hong Kong, well, they would say, well, well, um, I'm pretty sure that I have a very bright future in Hong Kong because um, they don't have any financial problems. Well, many, some of many of them, especially from those are uh, well-off family, well, they can speak English. Especially those um, Indian uh, living here in Hong Kong, they they run their own business. They can speak English, or even some of them can speak Cantonese. So, uh, language barriers and financial difficulties are not a big issues to them. Well, what I would like to highlight here in this project is for those coming from low-income families, because uh, it is important for the Hong government to consider this group of well disadvantaged or marginalized South Asian old adults in Hong Kong who are experiencing uh, language barrier problems, experiencing this uh, financial difficulties in Hong Kong, uh, including their family, children and grandchildren here in Hong Kong, also are suffering from financial problems. So um, that's why this project. Um, um, aims to target this group of people and hope that, well, at the end, we can propose some policy suggestions to the government to improve the quality of life in Hong Kong. Sure. How, how about some um, access to information? Because obviously the, the, the language barrier is going to be a, a hindrance to that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, especially uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic, uh, let's say two, two, two years ago, when the Hong government hasn't started uh, translating all the information about the uh, pandemic situation and all the public health services uh, information into different, I think, minority mother languages. So um, many of them found, told me that it was very super difficult for them to gain access to all these kind of public health and pandemic information from the uh, relevant authorities' website or various channels. So what would they do is that they would just rely on the, um, the verbal communication with the ethnic communities or even NGO workers in the neighbourhood. Yeah. Mm. Is there anything there uh, societies can do for them? I mean, well, organisations? Yeah. Yes, of course. Um, the NGO, um, as I said, the governments and also the NGOs are doing a good job here in helping this group of um, older adults. But obviously, um, there are rooms of improvement. So, for example, the government um, can provide more financial support to the NGOs to 
um, establish different kinds of social enterprises for this group of South Asian old adults who can do some small businesses like those are actually in this research project. I found out that the Pakistani women, elderly women, well, they are very good in doing art work. So uh, why do the government can provide financial assistance to the NGOs to run all these kind of social enterprises, hiring this group of older adults to earn some money to sustain their living here in Hong Kong? Because most of them are facing financial problems. Not only uh, solving the financial problems, well, through this kind of small-scale business opportunities in Hong Kong, they will be able to have more experiences and have the opportunities to interact with the local people. That helps them to socially integrate into the Hong Kong society much easier. Right, because social integration is is just as important as uh, as as money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, uh, because uh, as I said, many of them prefer to stay in Hong Kong rather than going back to the home country. So, um, if they really want to gain, establish this sense of belonging to the Hong Kong society, then what would, what should the government do is to find ways to help this group of people to socially integrated into the whole society. How do they do that? Well, besides asking them to learn well, English and Cantonese, but well, I think it's a bit challenging for this group of old adults to learn a new language at this age. Well, rather that, well, uh, the government should find out some alternative way to help them to socially integrate into the whole society. The one way is to establish this kind of social enterprises, well, to help them to, economical, to become economically independent. Well, not only that, well, um, to deal with their health problems, well, the government should also set up um, some training programs to train a group of cultural and interpreter, well, um, language interpreters, providing services to the patients in the public hospital so that, well, whenever they go to the public hospital to seek medical advices, they don't need to uh, every time go with their children or grandchildren. They can go there straight away and then utilize the services there so that uh, language barriers problems can be resolved. Okay, thank you very much for uh, speaking to us on the program this morning. Uh, that was Terence Shum, Assistant Professor at the School of Arts and Social Sciences at uh, Hong Kong Metropolitan University. Uh, thank you to our listeners. Uh, thank you to you, Mike. Well, I learn something every week on this show, but I'm, I'm glad I'm not a musician. I'm, I'm to hear it. <laughs> Thanks for taking part. Um, let's have a quick look at the weather uh, before we go to uh, brunch and the news summary. Um, it's going to be mainly cloudy with one.